0: You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of John in the 8th chapter. John chapter 8. The Gospel of John, like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, describe the three-and-a-half-year ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them, not John, record his birth. They all record his death and his resurrection. But we have a little bit of his life. In these pages. And so we get to be with him. We don't see him visibly, but we see him with the eye of faith through the written record by eyewitnesses. Over 500, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, saw him after his resurrection. There is much visible, dem- visible information and evidence of him recorded in these gospels. In John chapter 8, we have a couple of chapters, 7 and 8 together, that describe Jesus coming up to the Feast of Tabernacles called the Feast of Booths, in which the Israelites lived in a hut made out of branches once a year for a week in order to remember their captivity in Egypt. And so Jesus came up in altitude to Jerusalem, which was in the mountains, and still is, from Galilee, which was at sea level. So it says he came up to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. While he's there, he, gets, he preaches in the temple. The Jews, the Jews' religious leaders, Pharisees, scribes, lawyers, Sadducees, want to argue with him. And so we have the exchange back and forth, back and forth. He said, they said, he said, they said, he said, they said. And if you have ever got into a religious discussion with someone, there's a lot of buts exchanged. But what about this? But what about that? And so they're doing that to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives us a perfect demonstration of perfect knowledge. He does not immediately confront them and tell them what they are, but he's going to in our verses today. He leads up to it, and if they were listening, they would have been able to figure it out before he actually said it. What we want to do is start at verse 33. I know that I've already preached 33 through 37, but I've got to appeal again to their argument about Abraham so that we can understand what the Lord says to them about their relationship to Abraham. So let me read verse 33 to you of John chapter 8 in the give and take between Jesus and the Jewish religious leaders. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? So they're objecting. We don't like what you just said because we're Abraham's children and we've always been free. So what are you talking about being made free? Which forces us to go back a little bit. And verse 31 and 32 tell us, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. This was not real belief. This was a mental assent that Jesus was extraordinary. But it wasn't humble repentance that he was the son of God whom they ought to obey. And We've already covered this verse, so I'm not going to elaborate. But I want to get the words... Jesus said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So we need to hear the preaching of the gospel, believe the preaching of the gospel, obey the preaching of the gospel, and stay obeying. And so because Jesus said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. There are false disciples, pretend disciples, Sunday disciples, and there are disciples indeed, which is the genuine real thing. The word indeed means to be genuine and sincerely true in a thing, and we want to be those kind of disciples. And Jesus said in verse 32, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, if there was one nation on earth that thought they had the truth, it was the Jewish nation of Israel. And they did have the truth, but they had left the truth in some ways, and they were missing the object of the truth of their religion, and that was their Messiah was standing in front of them with plenty of Bible evidence, plenty of miraculous evidence, and plenty of character evidence that he was the Son of God. Right. But he said to them, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You need to follow me, and you need to keep following me in order to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, those were spiritual statements that Jesus made, and he's going to explain them. And the Jews took them as carnal or national statements, and they said, we've never been in bondage to any man. Well, at that time, we did have Roman soldiers marching in their streets because they were being occupied by a foreign pagan government of the Roman Empire. John chapter 8. So when we come to verse 33, they say, we be Abraham's seed, we're never in bondage. Quit telling us about being free. We are a free people. We have promises made to Abraham, our first father, And God has made commitments to him about this land, which are long gone. You know, for those that think that God still owes Israel, the land of Israel, they're so mistaken in the word of God, and we've been over that before. The promises of land to Abraham were conditional, and the Jews didn't keep the conditions, so they lost the promise. And they were spiritually intended, not earthly intended, for a little bit of sand at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Because the real intent to Abraham was heaven. And Hebrews 11 tells us that. Abraham understood it that way, that the promises of the land were heaven, not something on earth. Well, anyway, we're Abraham's children, and how can you be telling us that we need to be made free? So Jesus explained, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. In verse 34, There's a bondage that I'm dealing with, Jesus told them, that is different than the bondage that you're thinking of. You're thinking of national freedom, You're thinking of covenant promises made to Abraham. I'm talking about your slavery to sin. You can't stop some of your sins, so you're a slave to it. That's what the freedom I'm talking about, which is totally different from their nationalistic concept to the spiritual truth Jesus was teaching. Jesus goes on and says, The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. A slave for sin is not going to make it with God. And we went over this verse last Lord's Day. But the Son abideth forever. The Son of God that is standing in front of you is going to be in the presence of God and in heaven forever, and only those that are able to follow him and will follow him and keep following him and be made free from the slavery to sin that he's able to give them. Because the next verse tells us, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Not national freedom, freedom from sin. And Jesus can make people free from sin. Drunkards can be delivered from drunkenness. Porn addicts can be delivered from porn. And so forth and so on. Jesus delivers men from sin. Why, one of the greatest conversion stories in the New Testament is Saul of Tarsus, who was a Christian killer. He was a Jew that killed Christians, and he was delivered from the slavery of sin to become the greatest of the apostles to whom we are indebted as Gentiles for having heard the truth of the gospel. Then the Lord Jesus Christ tells us in verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed. You don't have to tell me that. I'm a Jew. You're a Jew. We understand that our birth certificates do trace back by ancestral genealogy to Abraham. I know that. But ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Remember, Jesus had just said, he that continueth in my word, that's my disciple indeed. That's a real disciple. You people that have just mentally assented to me, that's not good enough. You need to continue in my word. And here he tells them, my word hath no place in you. You don't really have a heart for what I'm teaching. You have a a natural, national, carnal, earthly, physical concept of the things I'm saying Instead of the spiritual, eternal, heavenly, far more valuable, by the way, information that I'm giving you. Right, right. And so Jesus tells them, my word hath no place in you. I understand that you're Abraham's descendants, but my word doesn't have a place in you, let alone you continuing in it to be my disciples. So there Jesus answers them. So he has just said, I know that you're Abraham's seed. Okay. Okay because he meant it biologically. He meant it genealogically, and then he's going to deny himself, but not really, here in two verses. But let's go to verse 38. This is the day after the Feast of the Tabernacles, the day after, six months before Jesus is crucified. Here's our leader, and he's about to teach us some truth that is very precious to us. Jesus Christ is about to present two of the distinguishing doctrines of our church why our church is separate from the other 400 or 500 Baptist churches in Greenville County. You know some counties in, or places in Texas claim to be the buckle of the Bible belt. Sometimes when we look around Greenville it looks like we're the buckle of the Bible belt and that belt stretches across the southern eastern part of the United States and here we are in Greenville. Lots of Baptist churches. But here's the founder of our religion he's going to identify some of the special things that we believe in this number of verses that we have to cover today from John 8. Jesus had warned these Jews that were listening to him that they would die in their sins if they rejected him. Now let's think about that statement just a moment. To die in your sins. It's one thing to die. And we do believe sin causes death. But to die in your sins means there's something coming after death, doesn't it? To die in your sins. What's the difference? If you're dead, you're dead. But if you die in your sins, there's something coming after death that's worse than death. Or Jesus would have threatened them with death, but he didn't threaten them with death. He threatened them, he threatened them with dying in their sins. Right. So that's the context, because that's verses 21 and 24 of this passage. They're going to appeal to Abraham and not think they have a sin problem. And he's just pointed out, if you're a slave to sin, you've got a sin problem. And only the Son can make you free, is what he just told us. He's going to finally and bluntly tell them, now this is hard to take, and this is what is not preached today, and this is what, one of the things that makes us different, but it is not one of the distinguishing points of doctrine. We just preach the truth as it is in the Bible. Jesus is about to tell these Jews that they are ignorant children of the devil. And it's going to be in our verses for today. It's what the Lord has led us to. That is not a way to influence friends and people. This is not the way of Joel Osteen or others to preach. But it's the way that we preach because we just want to preach the Bible. The job description of a preacher according to the Bible is preach the word. So if that's what Jesus said, that's what we're going to preach. We're not going to try to whitewash it with a bucket of white paint. We're just going to lay it out there. And Jesus is going to do that in this chapter. This is the Jesus of the Bible. But few pulpits preach him and few believe him. They don't want this Jesus. This Jesus is hard. This Jesus is strict. This Jesus said, you're going to die in your sins if you don't believe on me. And to believe on me means to continue in my word and to be delivered from sin. And it's slavery. If we do not have some specific and valuable reason why we're here today, why are we even here? We've come here because we believe this is where we're supposed to be and we want to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. He's declared that some will die in their sins, meaning that judgment follows. Jesus declared the conditional evidence of salvation from eternal judgment. We're going to get, and we've already gotten some already, some conditional evidence. How do I know that I'm not going to go to hell? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as a son of God. And then continuing in his word and being delivered from the slavery of sin by a changed life. Lord, help us to change our lives. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me from being disobedient to my parents as a youth. I thank him for that. Jesus delivered me from the slavery of sin to the disobedience of my, to my father and mother. And I thank him for that. Amen. Jesus will identify himself again, but the Jews are going to reject him. He's going to explain why they could not understand him, which is our doctrine of depravity. And he's going to explain why some do understand, which is our doctrine of regeneration. These are the things we're going to get. Let's go get them out of this passage of Scripture. And we're at John verse, chapter 8 and verse 38, because that's where we left off last Lord's Day. Verse 38, and I'm going to read through verse 47. John chapter 8, verse 38. Jesus speaking to the Jews. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children... Ye would do the works of Abraham, but now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words; ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Now this is Jesus Christ telling his own people, the Jews, that they weren't really connected to Abraham by character, and they weren't connected to God by character. They were neither Abrahams nor God's. They were children of the devil. And if you're wondering, were they really children of the devil? They ended up crucifying him on a Roman cross by provoking the Roman government and the Roman governor there to do it. And the Roman governor did not want to do it, even though he was a pagan. He knew that Jesus Christ was innocent. And yet the Jews provoked him into doing it for political expediency. And so Jesus was crucified. Yes, they were children of the devil. And you know what? If it weren't for the grace of God, we're all children of the devil. We're capable of doing anything if God's grace ever let us go to do what is latent in our souls. Waiting to burst forth into flames. Thank you, Lord, for holding us back. Why aren't there more tragedies and greater tragedies in the earth? It only takes an IQ of about 90 to figure out that most terrorists are pretty dumb. There's bigger ways and better ways to kill more. Why doesn't it happen? The Bible tells us why it doesn't happen. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. God restrains men. And thankfully, he restrains us because of what is in us by nature. But let's look at these verses. And we will not take long. There's a long outline that you can look at if you want to look at the details. Let's just cover these verses and understand them. We're with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking. We don't have him here personally. We just have his word being preached, and by his spirit, we should embrace it. He said in verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed. I understand your Descent from Abraham biologically and physically. But ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. You want to kill me because of what I'm saying. He hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't even shoplifted. He hadn't done a single thing wrong, but they wanted to kill him. You know, all the way back in chapter five, we found them wanting to kill him for two reasons. One, He healed on the Sabbath. That's how twisted they were. You want to talk about a child of the devil? No, you can't heal. It's the Sabbath day. Why don't you wait till the next day? They care care nothing for a person who could be healed on the Sabbath. Jesus wanted to heal on the Sabbath. He did heal on the Sabbath. They wanted to kill him. Then he said, my father is the one that led me to heal him on the Sabbath. So they wanted to kill him again for making God his father. This is chapter 5. So when Jesus said, ye want to kill me, there's already been the evidence produced in our written record of what happened to Jesus on earth. So he says, you you don't have my word in you. Verse 38, I speak that which I have seen with my father. The things that you're hearing from me, that you don't have abiding in you, that you don't like to hear, I heard those things from God my father. I'm giving you the words of God. I'm giving you the message of God. That's the first half of verse 38. And ye do that which ye have seen with your father. You're doing what you've seen and understood and are connected by nature to your father, and that's the devil that he's going to get to shortly. So they claimed Abraham. Jesus said, I understand your birth certificate. I understand your genealogy. But listen, let's talk about character. The character of the message that I'm preaching to you is from God. I am speaking what God sent me to speak. God gave me these words. You're doing what your father wants you to do, and that's to kill me. So we have different fathers. We are on different missions. I'm on a divine mission from God. You are on a mission that is motivated by Satan. He's not saying that directly yet. That comes in verse 44, but that's what he's leading up to. When he says in verse 38, ye do that which ye have seen with your father, that is the devil. He's going to explain that in verse 44. The way that you're thinking, the way that you're acting, and your desire to kill me is being motivated by the devil. Verse 39, they can't get it. They do not get the spiritual point that he's making. We, ha- we get to cheat because we get to read ahead. Okay, That's, Do you understand cheating? We have a cheat sheet called the rest of John which by reading verse 44, we're able to back up and know what he meant by the word father and the way he's using it here. They didn't have it, but they weren't thinking spiritually at all. They're only thinking about their, their national inheritance from Abraham and thinking that that covered them for all time and eternity. Verse 39, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus has just said in verse 38, Ye do that which ye have seen with your father, implying that they have a problematic father. They they see that he's he's implying that they have a problem father, but they don't recognize who it is because they're not thinking spiritually. And so they answer again the same way they answered back in verse 33. Abraham is our father. Jesus immediately answers them, If Abraham were your father, if ye were Abraham's children... Ye would do the works of Abraham. You'd be acting like Abraham. You'd have the character of Abraham. Now, this is a simple lesson of logic in life. Do you know what it is? Like father, like son. Mm -hmm. We say it. We understand it. We recognize it. The Bible doesn't use it like father, like son that way. Although Jesus is using the argument right here, the character of the father will be seen in the character of the son. The Bible uses it about the mother. And it's over in the book of Ezekiel where it says, as is the mother, so is the daughter referring to the ten tribes of Israel and the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin and how they followed each other in their sinful behavior. John chapter 8, verse 39. Abraham's our father. Jesus denies them. If Abraham were your father, you would have the character of Abraham, and you don't have the character of Abraham. You're trying to kill me. Ye would do the works of Abraham. You would have the life of Abraham. What do we know about Abraham? Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham in the Bible is called the friend of God. Abraham was a Chaldean. He was raised in Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia, 500 miles from the land of Israel. And God said, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to give you and your descendants. So he moved 500 miles without knowing where he was going. This is what the Bible tells us about Abraham. He built altars. He worshiped God. When God said, I want you to take your only begotten son Isaac and offer him for a burnt sacrifice on an altar... on Mount Moriah, Abraham rose up early in the morning and went to do it. Abraham tied his 16-year-old son Isaac and put him on an altar with wood under him and raised a knife to slay him until God called it of heaven and said, don't you kill your son. And the Bible tells us why Abraham went so far. He knew that if he killed Isaac, God would raise him from the dead because he believed God's promise so strongly that through Isaac would be the nation of Israel. Abraham was a great man of faith. Abraham was a great man of obedience. Abraham loved God. Abraham loved the messengers of God. When angels appeared at the tent door of Abraham, what did he do? Did he say, why don't you stay in the street? No, he fixed a meal for them as fast as possible. He was a friend of the message of God. He loved the words of God. He wanted to know everything God could tell him. And he followed God. And so these Jews weren't doing that. They were trying to kill God's son. And even if they didn't know he was God's son, why'd they want to commit murder on a man who had healed? Which was a miraculous performance in itself. If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But you are not acting like Abraham, so why are you appealing to him? There are many in the world, and the Jews are primary ones that trust their descent their genealogy, their birth certificate for their salvation. Jesus and John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul had to deal with this issue over and over and over again with the Jews thinking that salvation was settled for them because they were Jews. But when we started this Gospel of John, did John tell us something right off the bat in verse 13? He said, not of blood, not of blood, not of blood. There is not a blood tie that helps a man with God. We all stand on our own before God. We're all sinners individually. And we're righteous individually. Brother Mark gave us Psalm 15 today and it was he that. He that, not they that, he that. It's one man at a time obeying those 11 statements of of righteous conduct. The Jews trusted their relationship to Abraham. That's why they keep bringing it up. And they kept bringing it up. They brought it up with John the Baptist. They brought it up with Jesus. They brought it up with Paul. And so Paul had to refute them. The real issue is character. Is that what you got out of Psalm 15 this morning, that little little psalm that Mark taught us from? It's character. Character is the measure of heaven. It's not blood. It's not relationship to Abraham. And these poor Jews are appealing to it. And so if you want to appeal to your father, Jesus said, I'll deal with the father. I'll deal with like father, like son. You're not like Abraham. You're not like God. You're like the devil. So your real relationship is devilish. It is not divine and it's not truly Abraham. That's what he's going to do in these verses right here. If, If he were Abraham's children, he would do the works of Abraham. That's verse 39. On to verse 40. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Abraham never did anything like this. Why are you appealing to Abraham? I hope the logic is simple enough. They're appealing to Abraham. He's denying their appeal. I don't care about your birth certificate because your parent, your grandparent, or someone else before them Is not going to get you to heaven. You stand on your own before God. Quit appealing to Abraham. And by the way, you're not like Abraham anyway. Abraham was a good man, a man of faith, a friend of God. You're trying to kill me. And what am I doing? All I'm doing is speaking the truth and the truth that I have from God. Look at verse 40. Ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. God gave me the things to teach you and they're true things. And you want to kill me for telling you the truth from God. This did not Abraham. Stop appealing to Abraham. You're nothing like Abraham. Do you know what? We want to be like Abraham. We don't want to appeal to Abraham for our salvation, but we want to be like Abraham because that would show that we are saved. Because Abraham had character that we are supposed to follow. That's why he's called the father of the Jews. No, the father of the Muslims. They both claim him. One through Ishmael, one through Isaac. No, he's called the father of the Faithful. faithful. Those that believe Jehovah God and his son Jesus Christ are considered the faithful on earth, and they're truly in character and promise the children of Abraham. This is an issue that separates us from other churches in Greenville. You know other churches in Greenville take collections and send money to Israel. We don't send money to Israel. They're the biggest Christ-haters on earth. We don't send money to them. We're not told to. God's deserted that nation. God has sent his gospel through the rest of the world, and the Gentiles have been brought in and built up his kingdom. And that's everyone that's not a Jew. He's the father of the faithful. We want to live like Abraham. We want to be a friend of God like Abraham. But we want to do it the Bible way. Verse 41, Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Now, Jesus is pushing them enough that they're not going to appeal to Abraham the third time in a row. They did it in verse 33. They did it in verse thirty nine, but they're not going to do it here in verse 41. They're going to say, we be not born of fornication. You're driving at something spiritual that we're we're trying to lay hold of here. Uh, We're not born of fornication. We're part of the true faith of Abraham. We are not the result of intermarriage of Jews with pagans that the Bible warns about repeatedly. We be not born of fornication. This isn't that they're, they're denying being born of Ishmael. Being born like Ishmael of Hagar, the bondwoman, this isn't the point because notice the point. We be not born of fornication, we have one Father, even God. There is no spiritual fornication or spiritual whoredom involved in our religion. We are truly of God. We are of the God of Abraham. We be not born of fornication, we have one God. We are monotheistic just like Abraham was. That's the point here. It's a little obscure, as the Bible is in some places, but notice what they said. We be not born of fornication, and their solution was, we have one Father, even God. So it's a spiritual point they're making. Are you you with me? It doesn't say our mother is Sarah, not Hagar. So that's not the point that they're making. They're making a point about spiritual whoredom. You know, throughout the Old Testament, God told his people, and we still practice it. We still practice it very carefully. God told his people, do not marry pagans. Israelites, you may not marry these other nations because if your sons marry their daughters, then their daughters are going to take your sons to worship their false gods. Do not give them your daughters because their sons are going to take your daughters and worship false gods. If you want to keep your religion pure, and if you want to keep faith in your family, then you've got to marry in the faith. So we still marry in the faith. Because the Bible told the Israelites to do it, and the New Testament tells us as Christians to do it. A Christian marrying a a non-Christian is going to have a divided home. What are the children going to be raised as? What a mess. The parents are not going to have that common bond of our religion is the same. We're both committed in life and eternity to the same cause. We have the same manual. There's a difference between the Bible and the Koran, those are two different manuals on how to live, or all the, the, the books of the Hindus, and, so, and the Book of Mormon, you know, right here in the United States with uh, the Mormon Church. And so we, we be not born of fornication. We have, we're not involved in any spiritual adultery. The Bible uses the word spiritual adultery to go whoring from the true God to a false God. Right. Why does the Bible use that kind of language? Why does God use that kind of language? It's the strongest language that can be used. That's right. What's the strongest thing that you can say about the disloyalty of a wife? You found her in bed with another man. Or, or in America today, you found her in bed with another woman. But let's just go with the man for the moment. You found her in bed with another man. That's terrible disloyalty. And so the Bible uses it over and over and over again to make the point, when you leave me because you're like my bride, this is God speaking, you're like my bride. I have loved you like a husband. I have endowed you with a dowry. I have blessed you. And when you leave me and go worship in a different religion then it's like you're committing adultery against me. You're committing whoredom against me. And so the Bible explains it that way. And that's what the Jews meant right here when they tried to defend themselves, that they were not born of fornication, spiritual fornication. They were still monotheistic followers of the God of Abraham. Verse 42, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, which they had, see, they've moved on from Abraham to God. If God were your father, ye would love me. "'For I proceeded forth and came from God. "'Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. "'I didn't even come down from heaven on my own. "'God sent me, and I'm the son of God, "'and if you are the children of God, "'you would love me because I'm the son of God "'and I came from God, but you're trying to kill me.'" shouldn't be difficult. Verse 42, "'If God were your father, "'which you've just claimed, ye would love me, "'for I proceeded forth and came from God.'" Jesus is God on earth. Jesus is God taking up a human body. That's what is called technically the incarnation. God becoming a man on earth. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a God man. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's fully able to relate to us. And he's fully God. He's the only man you want to meet when you die. When we die, I want to meet a man that is the judge, is the son of the judge, And understands me perfectly because he lived on this planet and he was tempted in all points like as I am every day of my life. But he didn't sin and he's the son of God. One of the best sermon titles that I can possibly preach is you need a lawyer. You need a lawyer. Because when we meet God, he's going to be judge and we're going to need a lawyer. And the lawyer we want is the judge's son, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine going to court in heaven Where God is the judge and hell is the alternative. It's not the detention center for 30 days, it's hell for eternity. And we have a lawyer there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who understands everything about me, who lived on earth for 33 and a half years, who perfectly obeyed his parents, and his righteousness has been applied to my account. And he will argue with the judge that this man is to be redeemed because I died on the cross for his sins. It's a beautiful story, it's the gospel. It's what the Bible is all about. Verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. This is all about God, and you're saying God is your father. Why do you hate me? Why do you want to kill me? Verse 43, Why do you not understand my speech, that you are the slaves to sin? You're not the children of Abraham by character. You're not the children of God by character. And you don't have my word in you at all. Why don't you understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. This is one of the differences between us and the other churches in Greenville. That verse right there, verse 43 and verse 47. Verse 43 Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus is giving a speech, he's preaching, he's teaching. Why don't you understand me? Because you can't hear my word. Now, now, We don't think naturally because they could hear. Their audio nerves were working just fine. The sounds were coming from his mouth, being pronounced by his vocal cords. They were landing on their ears. They could hear that way, but they couldn't hear with any spiritual perception, discernment, or understanding. Why don't you understand my speech? Because there is no spiritual ability in you to grasp, to hear with understanding what I'm saying. And that's what we believe about the depravity of man. The Bible tells us that by nature, that by nature, no man loves the truth of the Bible. They hate the truth of the Bible. By nature, every single one of us. The carnal mind, this, I'm going to, here's a few verses and you know them. Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 Corinthians two fourteen. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. In that one verse, and it is one of our favorite verses on this point of doctrine, there's a natural man, that's what we are by first birth to our parents natural man, natural mind, natural thoughts. We live by sight, not by faith. Then there's a spiritual man. He walks and lives by faith, not by sight, because he's he's operating at a higher plane. There are things happening in this universe outside our sight that telescopes and microscopes don't identify. It's the God of heaven, the creator of the universe. It's a whole angelic realm of armies of angels, and it's a fallen realm of angels under the leadership of the devil himself. And it's all out of sight. Heaven's out of sight. No one's ever seen heaven. No one's ever seen God. No one ever will see God. God's an invisible spirit. But we operate by faith. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So even with the Spirit of God in Jesus of Nazareth preaching, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Most people think this is foolish. We would think it was foolish if God hadn't changed us. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. There's a lack of ability there to know them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't have spiritual discernment. All he can operate with is what he sees, can touch, can smell, can hear. He's sensual. It's only things that he can contact by his senses. He doesn't have the sense of faith, because faith is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The natural... This is the fifth time. Let me quote it again. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. And Lord... Thank you for making us spiritually discerning and help that discernment to be even yet better by increasing our faith. Lord, we believe, but help thou our unbelief and give us stronger faith. Verse 43, this is total depravity. This is what happened because Adam and Eve ate the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It corrupted their children and their children and their children all the way down to us. We chose a lie in the Garden of Eden through our first parents. God said, here is the tree of life. Eat it and live forever. And every other tree that I have put in this garden in Mesopotamia, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The devil came along to Eve and said, thou shalt not surely die. God's hiding a secret in that tree. And if you'd eat that good-looking fruit over there, You'll be like God. Adam and Eve, our first parents, ate it. We lost the right to the tree of life. Right. So we all die. No one has an explanation for death except the Bible. That's right. Why do we die? If evolution was true, we would live forever. Because if you can bring forth spontaneously organic life that reproduces like we have from nothing... Then surely you can make it last a little longer than 70 years. Right. Death is because of sin, right, right. and that death has also corrupted our nature so that we're only horizontal in our view. We only see what is here on earth. And there's this whole faith realm that we just think is foolish. I'm not going to be bothered with that junk. Lead me to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yes, he's my favorite quarterback and my favorite team, but he's a pagan. But he's a good pagan when it comes to football field. <laughs> that doesn't help me love him. Because right. I don't. I just love the way he plays football. Thank you, Lord, for saving our souls. Yes. Amen. I remember walking out of my father's house to leave his home and to go see how much sin I could cram into my life. And when he tried to hand me the scriptures... I pushed them back and said, I don't have any of that where I'm going. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But boy, the Lord got a hold of me by the back of my neck and said, live at some point in my life and gave me a life of faith inside and opened my mind and opened my eyes and opened my ears to make me care. And so there was a phone call made back from the state of Washington to the state of Michigan. Dad, may I come home? And when they picked me up in the airport, I was in my right mind. My Fidel Castro hat was gone. My hair was cut. I had walked into a barber shop in Washington and simply told them, make me look like one of your state troopers, because I didn't know what a real haircut was called. My dad had cut my hair until I wouldn't let him cut my hair. Lord, thank you for changing me. The natural man, that's the sixth time now, or the seventh. But let's move on. Verse 43 is a a key verse to us about the fact that men, when they hear the Bible read to them, preach to them, explain to them, they don't understand it because they can't really hear it. There's a faith sense that they don't have. There's a spiritual sense that they don't have. And we didn't have it until the Lord gave it to us because it's a gift from God. It's the gift of regeneration when we're born again. You know, the words born again are thrown around, but we have to be born again to get another nature inside of us so that this natural man then also has a spiritual man. I still have my natural man. Oh, yes, and so do you. You still have the natural man, but we also have a spiritual man, and the spiritual man inside of us loves the Word of God, wants to live and obey God while this... This old man over here still wants to love the world and suck up to it and enjoy everything that it possibly can, so we have this conflict. Oh, and it's in verse 43, and that's what we understand. Verse 44, ye are of your father the devil. The character that you Jews are showing show that your father is really the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do, like father, like son. And the lusts of that devil, the devil wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil wanted to get Jesus Christ to disobey God. Remember when Jesus was tempted? Jesus was hungry after 40 days of fasting. The devil came to him and said, why don't you turn these stones into bread and feed your, you're hungry. But he was fasting to please God. So to do that would have been to disobey God. The devil took him to the top of the temple and said, why don't you throw yourself off of here? Because I've got a verse in the Bible for you that says if you throw yourself off of here, the angels will carry you up. And you'll not hit those stones down there at the Brook Cahedron. Wanting him to tempt God by relying on Scripture when he could walk down the fire escape or the stairway and get off the pinnacle of the temple. The devil was constantly against the Lord Jesus Christ. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Before God regenerates us and saves us, we're the children of the devil. We chose it in the Garden of Eden, and we choose it every day when we sin. When we sin, we're making a choice. I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it the devil's way. There's only two ways, and so we make that choice. And that aligns us with the devil instead of with God and his lust, the devil's lust. In the middle of verse 44, he was a murderer from the beginning. He moved Cain to kill Abel. He moved Adam and Eve to eat the fruit off the knowledge, off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to kill the entire human race. Why do we die? Why do babies die? There are excellent, outstanding answers, and they're right here and they're only here. Right? Sin from our first parents. He was a murderer from the beginning. I don't want to die, but my body's dying. It's not, it doesn't respond in the gym like it used to. I wish it did. My father is 87. I watch him. He doesn't stand as straight as he used to. And I'm sorry to say it in public, but we talk about it in private. Because we're dying. Right. Why are we dying? Because of sin. Amen. The devil was a murderer from the beginning of what he did. And abode not in the truth. He was involved in the truth of God in heaven above, serving God, the devil was. His name was Lucifer. He was a light bearer, bowed not in the truth because there is no truth in him. He was a lie, he lied to Eve, he's lied to men ever since. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now that's a long verse, it's got three sentences in one verse, and it's explaining the character of the devil and the character of the Jews, and they are like each other because the devil is the father of these Jews. They had given themselves to him. They were born to him. And by nature, we were born to the devil. We were in his palace. But the Bible says the devil is a strong man that binds men in his palace. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the stronger man. The Lord Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil and to deliver us from his palace. And he has delivered us. Thank you, Lord. Verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. You are so much of your father, the devil, who loved lies and is the father of lies that because I tell you the truth. Now, this is mind-blowing. Because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Are you kidding? Is there something in man that hates truth so much that when truth is presented, he won't believe it? Yes. The Jews were God's chosen people at this point. They had the scriptures. The only scriptures in the world were the Old Testament scriptures. The Koran was 700 years later. This is, they had the truth, but they didn't recognize the truth. They didn't appreciate the truth. They didn't discern the truth. They didn't want to obey the truth. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Why don't they believe him? Because he tells the truth? Because they're of their father, the devil, who was a liar from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He's the father of all lies. If Jesus would have told them a lie, they would have believed him. Lies will always have a bigger following in this world than the truth. Always. What's what's one of the fastest growing religions in the world? Mormonism. Joseph Smith and Mormonism, are you kidding me? A peeper. Joseph Smith would go around in New England with his little peeping stones. You want to know your future? And he'd tell them their future. You want to find water? peeping stones. He was convicted in court for fraud, witchcraft in New England. He was killed in Nauvoo, Missouri for polygamy. They baptized for dead relatives. If you can find a dead relative that you'd like to get into heaven, and that dead relative didn't have a chance to ever meet Joe Smith, who Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormons, Then you can go to one of their temples and go into one of their underground baptistries and be baptized. They have the greatest genealogical records on earth. Mm -hmm. You can be baptized for dead relatives. You know a lie catches on because men love a lie. And you know those those two young men that drive around on their bicycles with the white shirts and the navy blue ties and navy blue pants and come to your door and want to give you the Book of Mormon. They do it in every nation on earth. They do it at their own expense. They do it for two years after high school. So that all Mormons are two years behind professionally. I worked in a Mormon bank in Michigan. They do that out of commitment to that lie, and that lie has spread in the earth. And I'm just using that as an example. And we could go on and on with other examples, because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? Is there anyone here that can convince me of doing, that, I've, that I'm wrong? This is Jesus speaking. Which of you convinceth me of sin? I'm convincing you of sin. Can you convince me of sin? That's a rhetorical question. There was no one there that could find fault with the Lord Jesus Christ. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, since you haven't convinced me of any wrongdoing, I have done nothing wrong. I'm 33 years old. There is nothing that you can lay to my charge. You can vet me all you want. And trust me, they had vetted the Lord Jesus Christ. You can vet me all you want. There isn't a thing you can find on me, and I'm telling you the truth. Now, that's a great combination. Perfect man, truth. Why don't you believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Until a person is changed first to be of God, they will not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe it. He that is of God heareth God's words. If you hear the words of God today and you believe the Bible and you believe Jesus Christ was God's son and Jesus Christ can save from the slavery of sin and save from the consequences of sin, if those things are understandable to you and appreciated by you and you want to obey them, God has changed you. If we leave today and go live as if today didn't happen, and we didn't really hear any life-changing message, then we're not of God. Right, right. That is the simple solution because of John eight forty-seven. Right. In our church, in our doctrine, we believe. Jacqueline, what separates us from the other Baptist churches in Greenville is the fact that we believe God has to regenerate us first before we're going to hear, believe, obey the gospel right. instead of, we need to present the gospel to people to get them to hear it, to believe it, in order to be born again. We reverse that order because of verses like this. He that is of God, he that is born of God, has already been explained in this gospel. He that God has put a spiritual man into, he that has the character of God, as Mark explained from Psalm 15, he that is truly of God, Born of God, character of God, like God, heareth God's words. You Jews don't hear me because ye are not of God. I started out, when we, when we hear the gospel, I started out this morning, we can be pricked. Oh Lord, prick every single person here. Prick me, Lord. Prick me more. Prick me. Convict me. Move me. Influence me. Press me urge me to obey your word or we can be cut to the heart and want to kill the speaker and mock the Christian religion or like I said, the American way because of so much prosperity and luxury, we just go out and live our lives because there's so much to do and there's so much fun and there's so much wealth. There's so much protection. There's so much peace and we miss that there's a whole other realm that one second after we die, One second after we die, everything of life will disappear into nothingness and we will face the creator that put us here on this planet. And we shall give an account for our lives. And if we have believed the gospel and obeyed it and loved it, then Jesus Christ is going to be there to meet us as our lawyer. In the Bible, the term is mediator, counselor, intercessor for us. And we shall be saved we will not die in our sins. We'll die to get rid of these bodies. These decaying bodies will be given glorified bodies to spend in the new heaven, the new earth forever. But we will not die in our sins. What makes all the difference? God makes all the difference. Verse 43, there we are. We can't understand, we can't hear spiritual things because we don't have that spiritual sense. We only have eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and touch. We don't have a spiritual sense of faith. We haven't been given the gift of faith if you have a little tiny bit of faith, say, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Increase my faith. Give me stronger faith. Build the passion in me that I ought to have for your things because your things are clearly more important than the things of earth. And verse 47 tells us that we've got to be made of God first before we can hear God's words. And if, if we don't hear God's words, then we're not of God. That's what Jesus Christ preached to these Jews And they ended up killing him for this message Mm -hmm. and the rest of the things he preached. But there were some that believed. Mm -hmm. And they sent that message to the Gentiles. And it made its way north up through Europe. And it made its way across the Atlantic Ocean to North America. And we've heard the joyful sound and we believe it. Lord, help our unbelief. We do love your son. We love your word. We love thee. We want to live for thee. Help us to do so. Amen.